0: You are listening to the Startup Playground, show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes and hear about their interesting experiences. Hello, sweet listener. Today we have founder at Fine Job Abroad, Mikhail Riesgaard. In the sweet seat to tell us about his experience within the startup environment. As always, I'm your host, Elvis, and this is the sweet hour brought to you by Sweetcast Media. The team behind is committed to connect young job seekers with job opportunities abroad. They believe that the real growth happens when you step out of your comfort zone and up to the challenges life presents you with. Also, they believe that everyone has unique abilities and that everyone can shine when given the right opportunities. But let's now hear from Mikkel himself. Hi, Mikkel. Hello, Elvis. How's it going? It's going good. You know, the weather is kind of strange a little bit today. It was raining, then it was sunny, but you know, right. weather it's is Denmark. Weather
1: is weather in Denmark is in Denmark.
0: <laughs> yes, that's how we already agreed on in the last episode when I was speaking too. Your partner.
1: Right. Eva. Eva right? Buffy. Cool. What does it mean being an entrepreneur in this fast paced world? I think what it means to be an entrepreneur, if you just isolate that, is that you are willing to fight for something that you believe in. You're willing to go against the odds and you're willing to, to risk other things that people value much higher than most people. And the fast-paced environment, I think it's changing a lot and there's so much potential for new businesses to start basically every day. So as an entrepreneur, you really have to pick something that you believe in and that the market also believes in and and not getting stuck on some idea that worked maybe 5-10 years ago and is still working that you actually have the opportunity to do n- new stuff and expand much faster due to the fast pace that we have in technology and in globalization, et cetera. Do you believe that the startups are
0: future? Because, you know, I, I recently heard that, you know, um, a lot of uh, why so much startups currently coming out is because they are trying to kind of change the old companies to a startup companies, so there are new companies kind of growing up.
1: Right. I think there is a huge change in both how companies works, but also how the employees works within the companies. Due to us having the the newer generation, the the old hierarchy is is not so much working as well as before. And the people working now in jobs work less uh, years than before. It's, It's not normal to find a guy working a job, let's say finishing his bachelor right now and then staying there for 30, 40 years. You know, that doesn't happen anymore that often. People, they jump and they look for new opportunities, whether it's in Denmark or whether it's abroad. There's so much opportunity. And this is also part of the fast pace, that this pace is fast for the people working in the companies. So the companies need to adapt to this fast pace to maintain and have retention of your employees and your company, basically.
0: And how long are you in a startup environment, basically?
1: I've started working with startups since I was about 17, 18 years old. Back then it was me seeing other people doing their jobs. You have your parents doing their jobs and then you have your friends and their parents doing their jobs. And then in between there was an entrepreneur who just did something different than working in a supermarket or was a doctor or was a dentist or whatever it is. He did something different and what he did was he did his own thing. He was an evac and an entrepreneur as we say in English. And that was always somehow appealing to me, These persons, So I had the early urge to pursue this, but not knowing exactly what it is. And then one day you find an idea. My first idea was to clean people's windows. And then you kind of lock yourself on the idea. You see the potential. And then that's where you start developing your experience as an entrepreneur. And once you are kind of locked down to something, and then you see the things that's right in front of you. For cleaning windows, it's, it's water and soap, basically, you know, so it's low entry barrier to start. But the potential is as big as any of companies because everybody has windows and they all need to be cleaned basically. So what you saw is the opportunity. I saw an opportunity for me to, to be my own boss and to have client communication and to have the satisfaction on me that if I did a good job, it was me. It was not the guy who hired me or the CEO who had this idea 40 years ago and it's still working and it's still making customers happy. But this was in fact me giving this satisfaction to the customers that they were willing to pay money for. There's more houses around my block, you know, so I can always grow my business if I put time into finding ways. By talking, by printing, by doing whatever you did, something fell back to the company, which gave you another window to clean, basically. Okay. What are your personal life goals, Mikkel? My personal life goals, one is I believe in the citizenship not being by nation anymore, but in the global citizenship. So I believe that my home should not be limited to a home in Denmark, but it should be limited to wherever I go, I'm able to feel home, basically. And my life goal along with that is to have a digital income, basically, or a remote income, which makes me able to survive economically, no matter where I am. So that can either be having an online job, me as I do right now, I help matching people with job opportunities abroad, or it can be me working for someone in a different area as a remote person. So there's the difference between the online work and the remote work, but it falls within the remote work as one as I see it. So, and and then happily ever after, the, the whole life with the family and all these kind of things is now third on my list because It's not yet. (laughs) First two comes first. But but number three, to have a family that I want to spend time on, develop and just be with. I guess the
0: startups really take up your time. And, you know, I also have noticed that lately, you know, because I also have a girlfriend, but I don't have so much, you know, time to kind of spend with her as I had before I started it. Right. And yeah, startups really take up the time. From my own perspective, because, right, right, right. you know, it's like running around, getting people to interview and all that kind of stuff. It takes, you know, networking and it takes your time.
1: It takes up my time. That's really. I have a friend who also started as an entrepreneur before and he had a girlfriend as well. And I'm not sure if it was during the business or before, but they actually made a day where he would go to girlfriend, like you would go to soccer, you would go to Something hobby, you know, his his Tuesday or Thursday, I forget, is going to girlfriend, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's a smart way of actually dedicating time to the person that loves you and you love in return just one day of the week. And then you're going to probably sleep with them every other day if you live together. But this one day, you have dedication time towards that person who wants you the most. Okay. Do you have a girlfriend? I, I, no, I don't. I don't. I guess I'm too caught up in, in what I'm doing right now to be to anyone really wanna date me basically. <laughs> but the right time gonna come, okay. Right, 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 right. Cool. Tell me what is the driving force of becoming entrepreneur? I think the driving force has to come from within somehow. I, I know a lot of people says that, but I think it's it's the feeling that you want more than you have. And that you also might want more that you that you can even think about and that you want to give back and give forward and all these kind of things. So the urge for you to be kind of jumping away from your family ladder in, in a way that you don't even know how, but you know it exists because it's talking to you basically. So the inner driver is, is that you want something more than what opportunities is right in front of you that the school system provides that the, when you get a job one day, there is a career ladder. You want more than that. You know, you can be the CEO, but you don't want to be the CEO. You want to be something more. So I think that's the thing that drives entrepreneurs, that they want more. They don't know what, but they know that they can build it themselves because they know themselves better than anyone else. But they need to also learn how to get to know yourself so you end up in a place where you would define yourself as happy. So it's basically the challenges that the lab presents. I
0: guess. I guess so. And that's why you also, one of your mottos are kind of like, you know, you present your company as a challenges. Right. Yeah, I guess that's also why I started this because, you know, I love the challenges. I love the struggles because, you know, it creates you into a different person. It creates you, I guess, in a better person than you are, right? Right. Now, I want to know more about your company. Yes. In what
1: industry does um, Find Job Abroad operate? So, Find Job Abroad started as a recruitment company helping young Danish speakers to take their first job abroad basically entry level job where you only get to get the job because you know Danish and that you have the guts to go abroad and start a new life so that's the market i started with recruiting and then i had quite a big of an interest from both friends and network that it didn't make sense to stay only a recruitment company because as a recruitment company you may have 10 5 20 customers which means you only are able to provide 10 5 20 positions. And if a person doesn't match that position, then you can't really help him, basically. So I quickly understood that people, they don't know, they don't always want to go to Spain or to Portugal or some place to work in Danish. They want more than that. About two or three years ago, my old partner, who's now working for, for Oracle in Amsterdam, we decided back then to actually find a domain name, which is a general kind of name for getting a job abroad. And then And then choosing to go the job board way as well as the recruitment way to offer more opportunities for people than just 5, 10, 20 if I was only a recruitment company, basically.
0: Okay. You mentioned Spain and, you know, European countries. And also when I was, uh, before I was coming here, I found out that most of the jobs that offered on Find Job abroad are basically based in Asia. There are things based in like Stockholm and Copenhagen and, you know, European countries. Right. But most of them are in Asia, like Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand and everything. Is there a reason for that? One,
1: I love Southeast Asia. (laughs) That's not not the main reason. But this is where I would go take a job abroad if I was going to a, a website. And the jobs you find in Asia right now is from startups, which is also, again, basically me wanting to work in Asia in a startup. So that's the jobs we have right now, and it's very limited in regard to what we want. We want a lot more jobs, targeted 18 to 30-year-old job opportunities abroad. But you have to start somewhere, and we have chosen to start up with the language-based jobs, go to another country get a flight ticket, get relocated, get training, and then work for one of these global brands in Danish and become part of an organization with, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people and take that as an experience. So that's one of the categories we work on a lot. So basically helping European people to move abroad and get an experience. The second category is the startup jobs, which we have a lot in Asia and also in Denmark. And then we want to move on to having volunteer jobs on board. I work with my partner Eva, who you spoke to last week. She's the CEO of Volunteer Abroad, which is dedicated on helping volunteers finding good experiences abroad, where they're like much more likely not to waste money or time going to a bad NGO in Thailand, and then they, I don't know, don't treat the animals well, or they don't live up to the statements they provide on the website, and then you are there wasting your time and your money because you are there, and we want to try to prevent that with Volunteer Abroad but also being able to offer that as a category on find job abroad because it's a general job board for going abroad, basically.
0: Mm -hmm. I I guess in every country there is like this kind of portals that offer like jobs, right? How do you kind of differentiate? Because you are kind of, you're based in Denmark, but you offer jobs outside Denmark. Exactly. So what is differentiating? So the
1: differentiation is that there's nothing new about having a job site where you offer jobs abroad. I think the way that, that I see find job abroad, volunteer abroad, differentiate ourselves is, is the people and the vibe behind it, that we have this attitude, that we want to be part of the digital revolution. We want to basically be, be free and be an abroader, be the person who takes up the tough choices and pursues it, you know, and willing to risk failure, basically. So I think the people behind is what are unique for us right now. But what you see on the website is not unique. We are not quite there yet to being able to express what we really are about. But one thing that will help us is the new job category. The newest one we want to launch, which is the remote jobs. The jobs that takes you out of your apartment you've been living with for five years. From one day to another, you're in a different country and you don't even think about a whole department because you have new challenges ahead of you that you have to deal with right here, right now. So this is a category we want to like really go ahead and really build and develop and find jobs, provide trainings to get these jobs and then get you not freelance job, but get you a part-time job for a remote company. And then you have one or two or three of these, then you might have a full-time salary. If you only have one, then it might be enough for you to live a life in Bali or some other quite cheap country where it's also paradise, basically. That's what I want us to be specialized at, giving you the opportunity to find out that you don't need the stuff that you have already already used, that you can actually exchange them for something else and, and in the end get a lot more. Okay.
0: What is the current stage of your startup? Right. I guess you're in the market already
1: for a while. Right but could you tell me more about the stage? Sure. So so the stage in, in recruitment, we always talk about the roller coaster because recruitment is like a roller coaster. It can go really good the one day and then half an hour, not as good. So it goes up and down and, and same with the startup. So, so I started four or five years ago on the recruitment industry and had a partner and we developed, we got an office and we got some customers. And then we were just two good friends to be business partners basically. He got a really good opportunity in Oracle. He went away. And then I got to be on my own, developing my team, being the CEO and and the only founder. So the stage from that took me to a new team. And then team got dissolved. New team learned a lot. Team got dissolved. And now on my, I would say, where we are right now, I'm learning from all my mistakes. And I'm really, really doing best I can not to repeat them. So right now, we are in a stage where we have a brand new team. We have a brand new wipe, we have the right software, we have the right communication, I think we have the right training, and I think we have the right strategy. So we are like in the beginning of something of what we really are about after now five years. And all of it has not, of course, been full-time. I've been studying my marketing degree, my bachelor degree, and, and also doing other things, but I've always never stopped working on Find Up Abroad. That's very
0: nice to hear that. I also tried to go study, but, you know, I didn't get accepted. That's why I also kind of <laughs> <Next> started <time. laughs> the podcasting. Next time, yeah, better luck. Last time, I also um, spoke to your business partner, Eva, and she told me something about NGO
1: Pilots. Right. Could you tell me more on it? Sure. This is a brand new project that has arrived. So I've been working with Find Your Abroad for a while. And then Eva, she pops up two years ago, starting working with me, helping me with some marketing. And then she took the year in Cambodia and had an awful experience being an intern in an NGO for some reason. So that experience basically took some hits on Eva. And she got really like aware of the NGO market and the transparency, which is not there and the corruption and all these people being traumatized because of this. And she brought it back to me. And then I was like, wow, I mean, I like paid jobs because paid jobs pays me, you know. And then you wanna do volunteer jobs, and I totally see that the jobs that you do as a volunteer is much more targeted young people, basically, because you get to do anything, you know. You get to, like, get a diver certificate and go down to the corals and do research surveys, count fish, you get to help the elephants, you get to help uh, within humanitarian areas. So much more cool opportunities. So I was really, really on board when she said she wants to work in this field and then she wants to work with me in this field. So that kind of made the company volunteer abroad, whichever is CEO on, And then we went to Thailand last year to talk to the connections she made down there, the good connections, because she saw there was a lot of bad, but she also got the catch of a few good ones. So that's the ones we went down to in December last year, 2018, to visit. And it was me and Eva. And the plan was to go down and interview the founder, the volunteer, and basic just to see, is this something that we believe? Is this something I want to send people to? Is this something I want my crew to talk about as a good opportunity? Being down there in, in five different countries, five different NGOs, me as a cameraman, Eva as the action girl, you would say, you know, was a really fun experience, like, how are you going to do it? You know, you need a camera, you know, you need a microphone, you need to ask some questions. But there's a lot of things in between that needs to go well. So so we did that. And then we kind of realized the market for NGOs, what, it, what it's really about, hearing the stories from the founders behind these NGOs and the people that they knew in the business who were not on the good side. And it just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we we're like, how... How are we going to do this? So either we just recruit volunteers to a few NGOs around the world and then we help these small amount of people to connect with this small amount of NGOs. And then I think for me and Eva, we think bigger than that, you know. That's not enough because the business, it's not real business to help volunteers to volunteer payment-wise, you know. So you need obviously something more. So we thought about it for a long time and then we came up with this validation that, that Eva is all about validating the NGOs before knowing if you can trust them or not. Uh, and that can be done in many ways and we kind of like did our validation from basically talking and asking to get some reports for them to see if they're willing to uh, collaborate. And then later on we wanted to go down there and visit them. So that's what we did in volunteer abroad. But then to see the huge aspect and that there's 10 million NGOs in the world it's it's a lot. So we were like, how can we find maybe a method on how to validate all the 10 million, basically. That's the ideal goal for us to get validation for them all. And then we came up with the, with, with, with the NGO pilot, basically. This could be a way to basically work as trust pilot for NGOs. So if you as a volunteer want to volunteer before going, buying the ticket, you go to the NGO pilot and then you search for it. And then you can find it, and you can find our assessment of the NGO, which is based on three parts. The off-site assessment, which is basically, do you have registration to be an NGO? If no, then you're not an NGO, then you are nothing, basically, right? Two, what is your goals, basically, and how does this goal fit in with the UN Sustainability? Because that's what we follow heavily on the NGO pilot. And then three, basically, your tax immersion hold against your annual report. Are you fraud, basically? Are, you, are your numbers correct? And then quarterly, we're going to like update these numbers to actually create a report and also try to help this NGO to to perform better. So that's the off-site assessment. The second data point for, for validating is volunteers' previous experience at the NGO, just at private. So if you volunteer, you can share your experience along with the off-site assessment. That should give a good indication to is this a good place or a bad place, basically. And then the last step is also the fun step where the broader kind of come into place. We need to on-site assess you as well. So basically going to your country, your facilities, and looking in your eyes. Basically, do I see good or do I see bad? The stuff you told us in the off-site assessment, where is it? Basically, show us around. Let us try to be a volunteer in your organization. Let's see how your management skills are. And this three parts will in the end go into a full report which is accessible for everybody because there should be more transparency in this industry, especially the money, where does it come and where does it go? This is some of the things that we're going to try to explore and exploit people who might not be on the good side.
0: So what are you doing before you are sending out uh, volunteers or job seekers or everything? You're testing yourself. Right. So is the environment kind of safe and, you know, positive and the people are treated well and all that kind of stuff? Exactly.
1: That's the, yeah, that's what we're trying to do, basically. And, and we see that it's, it's quite hard to do the research on your own because if you go on an NGO's website, they're not going to say bad stuff about them, obviously, like any other company. And that's not really like general portal for all these kind of things. You, you do have portals, especially in India, where there's one NGO per 400 capita. I think India really sustains on the NGOs and there's a lot of validation companies in India and they pretty much state that only 1% goes through their validation. So 99% is per definition corrupt of this one specific source that we have. And there's many of these. So, So what we want, we want to, of course, tap into that. We don't need to go find an NGO one by one. We can go to the houses of NGOs. And, and get their data into our system. But before we do that, we need to validate them, basically, because they might also be an NGO. So so yeah, that's that's where it starts. So so right now we are finishing up the 1.0 off-site assessment and we are finding a ways to to implement that with our technology so we can do the scale that that might come for us if if we are successful with this project. And that if people see that yes, there is a need for this and I want to support so we need for sure to have some kind of infrastructure for that. So that's what we're doing right now, 1.0. And, uh, and we're really, really excited to to get people's reaction and to get started talking to volunteers and NGOs on a massive scale.
0: As I also mentioned last time when I spoke to Eva, and now I hear it again from a different perspective, this NGO pilot and all the things. I still think it's a huge, huge puzzle that you're trying to connect and respect for that. When I always think about NGO, you know, I always think about these the welfare companies that, you know, kind of search on the street for me. And then they say, hey, sign up for this, so donate money for that, right. donate money for this. But now when you present NGO from a different perspective, I think differently.
1: Right. That's good. And it doesn't take any longer than a, a quick talk. First of all, most people, they don't know what an NGO is, basically. And then once they know ah okay, that's for purpose and then they realize yes, but it could as well be for profit behind behind a purpose and then and then you understand other industries how messed up they are, so they understand surely it's messed up here as well. And then when you provide them with some small facts, it's just like an epiphany or like just you just realize that it's not transparent or, or working as it should be, it's especially with the huge goals that we have set up through the UN, that if you want to really like being able to, to do this, you need to work together. And that's why we chose number 17 as the goal to focus on, because number 17 kind of collides all the 17 numbers to one. And we want to, to do that with all NGOs through NGO Pilots. And then, of course, you need a biscuit because these NGOs, they will need to spend hours, not hours, but time spending on providing this data for us, for the off-site assessment, and they need to talk to us. So we want to, to help the good NGOs get more sustained, get more strong uh, in a really fast way. So by doing that is that when you get the certificate of the validation, you also get access to our network of competences where we have volunteers from all over the world having their specific competences that they choose to donate for as, as much as they want. Basically, it could be one hour a day. It could be one hour a week, five hour every Saturday. A lot of people is into that. And then if you are a coder or a fundraiser or a marketer, we want to match you up with an NGO, which you kind of have some passion within, and then start talking to them and help them by your competences of charity. So that's, that's the case. We want to start connecting people, passion with passion basically, competences with competences, and then make these NGOs able to grow at a pace as if they had unlimited cash because now they have the competences and most often you spend cash on competences or by workforce basically. So that's that's the key. And then as well ever, wants only to recruit volunteers to good places. So obviously we want to recruit volunteers to the NGOs who are certified by the NGO pilot Volunteer Abroad wants to help these NGOs. How do you define
0: a good NGO?
1: You are kind of
0: having this validation process. How do you kind of define that this NGO
1: is good? I think it's hard to define if the NGO is good or bad. I think you have to look at the people behind it, if they're good or bad, because they're the source. The NGO is the results, but they're the source. So this is the people that you take a look on. But to look on the NGO perspective, if it's good or bad, because you can start an NGO and then it can run, even if you're not part of the board anymore. Then the NGO can do decisions as maybe getting a bit more money or not really being super, super transparent or, and all these kind of things. So there's the NGO as a board, as a thing that can do bad things. And then you have the source for the NGOs to also do bad things. And right now we're just focusing on the NGO because the source might not be there anymore. So we focus on what we can. And what we learned is that the good NGOs is also the good-hearted people. But the good-hearted people are not the good business people. The good business people are the, you know, somehow the bad NGOs because they see a huge advantage in making an NGO and not a business. So right now we're really new in this, but we already feel that the NGOs who want to cooperate, they go right through our assessment. We only have validated four. And, and the ones who are less corroborative, you're going to get a stone in the, in, the, in the shoe really fast. And then as long as there's a stone in the shoe, it's the stone in the shoe, you know. you know. And then we have to set up terms. How much good do you need to do to be certified? And we're not, we're not going to say, hey, you're not certified, See so you'll, so you'll never know. We're going to give you a report on why you're not certified and how to be certified. So we're working with you. We're not saying goodbye forever we're just saying hold on for the next quarter or hold on for until you you fix this with it could be you not being able to have the right contracts or permits to have volunteers even though you have an NGO or that you have too much local too little local involvement and, and all these kind of things we have to set somehow some some boundaries and some terms of what's okay what's not okay and how do we help you moving on to being okay so hopefully in the ideal world, we have 10 million certified NGOs.
0: So basically, you are creating kind of like a trust and you're also kind of working also with the bad NGOs. Right. If they are not as you want to give other people, like job seekers to kind of attract them, but you are still holding to them. Right. And then trying to help them improve their image and then you kind of keeping them as a, you know.
1: Exactly. It's like help or exploit, you know. If they don't want our help, and we can see that doing something criminal, we want to exploit you as well. So we don't have people coming from Europe to go to some African Asian country, mm-hmm. spend your money or time at a, maybe a local NGO, then going there and then go there on a fucking vacation. Oh, sorry for the language. But really, that's uh, that's what we see. And we also see people getting traumatized but from having bad experiences from these NGOs. So it's both it's it's really it's really really started from the volunteers perspective that you should be able to go online and find an n g o that you could trust based on objective data, not from the n g o s itself and then it just kind of developed into the more B2 b area with the validation and the tax immersion and the registration and all these kind of things and we need all of them to actually make a product which is which is which is a finished product kind of so so we really rely on the purpose, which is to basically change the world in the NGO sector because like i said it's the fifth largest economy if you put them all together and the un has really high ambitious goals so even to reach these goals i think the ngo with this force as, as might being the fifth largest economy in the world could actually carry some of these goals if we're able to interconnect them all through the the un 17 goal which is like you know partnerships partner up so for example if we have a case of an ngo who uses our area-ended competences and also gets success with that. We want to share that with the rest of the NGOs on our list that, hey, we got this guy from Denmark, this guy from Greece. He's a coder. He's a marketer. They went together and they got a new website, maybe just a landing page, and they were able to crowdfund some money within this period of time. Would you like to have the same opportunity, NGO? Yes, we have a 1,000 volunteers over here who might like you, not all like elephants, but we have at least five or 10 right now, you know, who's available. And we want to share this so they see the point of, of using us basically. But we need some cases to start with. And right now we are our own case because we use volunteers to help developing the NGO pilot. We have a really strong team of really competent people within different competences, nationalities, And they're all here for the same reasons as us, that there's a need for this. And many of them tried to volunteer, but that the whole jungle of finding reliable data actually kept them away from it. So when they see our job on Friveli Job Decay, they are immediately attracted to it because we do something they needed a year ago, basically. If you had to start all over again,
0: I mean, now you are kind of like already kind of Solving the puzzle and using your own case as, you know, kind of example and everything. For example, you were in a back into the future, right? And you had an option to kind of get into the car and turn back the time. Right. What would you do different? Like to,
1: like in, li- in regard to life? In life, yeah. Okay, cool. So I think if I would do something differently, I wouldn't have gone back to Denmark and studied as I did. I think I wanted, for me to be out there, I wanted to just be be remote for a longer period of time. Like I lived three years abroad of my life. I'm 27. I did quite a lot of business trips and vacations and stuff like this. But three years out of 27, that's basically 23, 24 in Denmark, you know, and the world is is so big. So I would say that I would like to have traveled more, to have been part of maybe organizations with, with really cool leaders that I could really learn from really fast. And then be where I am today, five years ago, basically. So that's why I really encourage people. It's cool to have a startup, but it's more important to have someone to follow because they know something you don't know. And if you want to like do it all on your own, you're not going to be as successful, I think. So So the ability to be a follower, but also to be a leader in the same time, whereas I was much too much of a leader, too much trying to figure this out in my office in Denmark, you know, kind of like limiting myself because I have this job I want to finish and I need time for it and I need my private zone. I need to be in Denmark where the schools and the people are. But in real life, my job is to be abroad, basically, even without a job abroad. I would have somehow, but nonetheless, I don't want to change a thing because I'm really, I understand the stuff I went through to get where I am today. And I think anybody needs to go through something good and bad to kind of develop themselves as a person and also an entrepreneur but to answer your question like get out Denmark some more you know in an early stage and follow cool people maybe live on a low budget join some not some gangs but some crews with a passion for something and and be part and then when I was ready for it I would then pursue my own dream and and attract my own team and and then start all over with my own case so yeah so would uh, that be like a, a suggestion
0: or maybe something that you would recommend as a key activity to others, entrepreneurs to pursue? Because, you know, now you took like, you turn back the time and now you have like, you know, some kind of feedback from your past right. to give to other people. Or is there anything else that you would like to suggest or recommend?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, you can always suggest and recommend a, a million things. But um yeah, I don't know. I, I think like like you said in the beginning that uh, that we help people taking challenges. You know, and and this challenge it's like like in a job abroad, especially it's like you really want a job for Google in Portugal. You want it so much, you are willing to basically give your right hand for it. You know, and then as soon as you actually get the job, you release the dopamine in your brain, and then you want something new. You know, and then also. It's scary to move abroad, so you might also get the fears of actually leaving your friends, house, family, girlfriend, etc. That the fear that you get is it's because it's a decision that's worth thinking about, and if it's worth thinking about, it's worth doing and realizing into reality, and then you can go back and be like, "That was a mistake," but then you didn't do it. You would need to do it. So, so other suggestion is if it feels like like not good but you still have a good stomach feeling about it then go for it you know and that's my suggestion if you have a bad stomach feeling about it and it feels weird then stay there, stay out you know <laughs> stay out
0: okay yeah because you know i'm originally from right. abroad <laughs> as you say right because i am born and raised in latvia and i came here when i was 20 and this is basically i'm like a foreigner in a you know different right. country but you know i've been as i mentioned in the previous episodes I've been here for seven and a half years. And now when I go back home, which mm-hmm. is Latvia, this is the place where kind of feel right. at home. Because now I have a job, I have a startup, I have a podcast, I have friends, right. and all that kind of things, right. right? When I go back to Latvia, I feel like a traveler. Okay. Because that's my... I don't feel like being there anymore. Because, you know, I I would not say I gave up on the mm. country. But I kind of found... A better opportunities right. in life in a different country. This, the last one, gonna be more for you and the find job okay. abroad. Where can people or you know the followers find you
1: or find your services in this case, find job abroad. Right. So we have the domain findjobabroad.com, and that's where you find the job board where we in the future will have many opportunities. But we also offer something called matchmaking service a new kind of thing which is international job service where we have dedicated matchmakers who have lived traveled moved abroad several times who's here to guide you basically handhold you through the whole process of finding about out who you are what you want where do you want it when do you want it and then once you kind of like isolate these things you you find a job opportunity that we're going to pursue with you So that job is to pursue that with you before the interview. Let's make the CV awesome. Let's make the application awesome. Let's send it. Let's maybe have you ask the employee a few good questions over the phone, which make them think so they remember your name. That might be our entrance there. Then you get the job interview. We provide you with rehearsal interviews. If it's your first time having an English set interview, it can be a bit like, you know, not so nice. And then especially if it's on Skype, you know, it's, it's two different factors that you're not used to. And then let's say there's even two or three people on the interview you're talking to, you're going to be freaked out. So we want to provide the service for the person where they are, basically, to be able to rehearse with you interview your practice. Also, once you get the job, once you get that job, the dopamine releases, you know, and now you're going somewhere. So there's also a whole like thing there with the relocation. You might have an old apartment you need to rent out. You might have uh, other things that you need to take care of where we're also able to, to guide you uh, on this. And you know it's only you. You're going to do the work, obviously, because it's you wanting the job abroad. But we have the recipe, basically. But you are the ingredients. So you have to work with yourself to go through and, and actually complete it. So people can find us on, on the website findabroad.com. But if they uh, search for job service, they will go to our, our different career site, where it's only about how we help you as an individual. That's the two main pages. And then obviously, I'm also part of the company with Ever Volunteer Abroad. You can find us in there as well. But but the idea is it's it's all gonna come together. So it's not gonna be hard to find the different kind of services along the way.
0: So it's gonna be like under one name,
1: multiple things. Right. We really want to create like an umbrella company called the Abroader. And the mm-hmm. Abroader is is, is is a new thing. It's, it's, it's you who want more, basically. It's you who want to to follow your instinct and see the world and all these kind of things and make like a new kind of like organization of Abroaders where you have different companies. Right now, you have Find Your Abroad, Volunteer Abroad, and then you have the organization NGO Pilot. Right now, mm-hmm. it's only Find Your Abroad that's profitable. And it's carrying volunteer abroad right now, but in the future, as soon as volunteer abroad is also profitable, we're gonna take a small cut of the of the of the profit, and then take it up to the abroader, and then maybe start new companies with the competence network, and and kind of kickstart a, a startup factory based on being an abroader and being part of us and having our back office with our ideas combined with your ideas and your talent. So that's a big dream for me and ever to really make a thing called their broader and tell people to listen to their inner broader because it will take them to much more interesting places later in life. So we want to make events, we want to implement art with acrobatic with smoke guns and cocktails and the feeling of being alive and going somewhere. That's the that's the feeling we want to create at these networks which which we are kind of planning on in our dreams. And maybe if we're really good, we'll have an, a broader event, maybe even this year. So that's what we're trying to, to figure out. Never stop believing. Right, exactly. Right. A lot of projects, you know, and that's how I thrive. I don't thrive with only one thing. I need to be too busy and then figure out, damn, this is where I should use my time right now. And that's, that's how I thrive. And other people, they thrive in other ways. I need to be very set and everything and planned and everything. And I'm I'm the opposite. So it's also important to find people who understand that's how you thrive, even though it makes them uncomfortable. They see without you thriving, they wouldn't be comfortable later on, basically. Awesome.
0: Okay, Mikkel, I thank you for this lovely conversation. Thank you. I had a lot of good takeaways. And now I know more about NGO and I know more about find job abroad and volunteer abroad. Right. I'll definitely take your links and I kind of post it so people can actually find you. Fantastic. uh, I'm definitely looking for one of those events.
1: Awesome. You have a VIP
0: invitation, Elvis. Great. Thank (laughs) you very much. And I also thank all the listeners who stayed up until this minute. And I hope that all of you also had a great takeaways. And we're going to stay in touch, Michael, with you. Awesome. Goodbye. Goodbye.